You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Whether you're looking for a battery for your truck or batteries for your remote control or trail cameras, Interstate Batteries has you covered. You can visit your local Interstate Battery retail store or you can go to interstatebatteries.com and check out all the information on all the batteries that they offer. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the For Love of the Land podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. Each week, we're interviewing guests from across America. They all have one thing in common. They all are tied to the land. So if you're like us and you love all things land, welcome home. Oh, hello, everybody. This is your host, Adam Keith. Uh, welcome to another For Love of the Land podcast. Returning guest and dear friend, Mr. Tyler Ross. Tyler, thanks for coming on again. Hey, man, anytime. Glad to be here. Yeah, every time every time you come on, at some point we're going to have to yell out, Broken Arrow, so let's go ahead and get it knocked out of the way. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> I actually I actually had to tell a guy about that story uh, yesterday. He was a fellow wildland firefighter, and he's... He enjoyed that. So. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, man, it's it's a good story. If you guys didn't hear it, go check out the first podcast with Tyler Ross telling the story of a wild land fire or a wildfire getting out of control, and he yells "Broken Arrow." Um, so anyway, fun topic that we've never covered. A uh, hundred, probably hundred and fifty plus podcasts in, we've never covered this topic uh, for for a couple of reasons, a couple of main reasons. Um, but we're going to talk about getting people involved in the outdoors, uh, specifically kids and kids that might be uh, not of age to hunt. Um, and then other people that aren't hunters, but how to get them uh, interested in the outdoors or different things that we can do. Um, we're going to share some stories, techniques, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm excited about this one. Um, so a little bit of introduction. I had my first child, uh, wife and I, in December. So we've got a almost coming up and i guess un- under two weeks we'll have a six month old tyler tell us about your your little boys so i have two little boys uh one is six and one will be three and probably a week and a half all right so what is their favorite thing about the outdoors well so they're both like very very they love being outside they love playing um they could sit and watch like a butterfly or a bird or anything and like they think it's the greatest thing. But <laughs> with both of them, I started when they were like, like Brennan, he's just now getting to it. But like I'll put YouTube on YouTube. I'll have like elk hunting. I'll have you guys going. I'll have some of your, uh, you know, some of y'all stuff where you're deer hunting and turkey hunting. I'll have hushing and born and raised on there. And I tell them, like, man, these guys are so cool, like watching them hunt. And then we'll be somewhere where there's like football on TV or something. I'm like, Gosh, look at these guys 
getting hit by other dudes and they're not even getting ready. They're not getting ready to punt or nothing. You know, <laughs> yeah. Just, what yeah. a bunch of losers. No, yeah. not really, but yeah, but no, I've, I've just, I've, uh, Jameson's favorite thing right now, my oldest boy is he loves to act like he is sneaking up on stuff outside. So oh, okay. he, if, if he sees a bird, he gets down and he follows it. And yep. Brennan's favorite thing is he comes up to me and says, um, Daddy, will you take me deer hunting or will you take me squirrel hunting and stuff like that? And he's not, you know, he's almost three, so we pretend hunting in the backyard with the BB gun. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's their favorite things right now. But oh, that's Jameson's, funny. Yeah, Jameson's coming on, though, where he wants to be trout fishing all the time. So. <laughs> oh, so North Carolina is where Tyler resides, uh, Asheville, right? Um, yeah, I live in Western North Carolina, <laughs> Southern Appalachian Mountains. There you go. I tell uh, people my my front – my front door starts in Hickory, and the back door is east of Knox or west of Knoxville. Okay. Tennessee, so. Well, a little bit different terrain than what we have, but still kind of mountainous. Um, you're a lot more mountainous than we are, but we're still in the Ozark Mountains. Um, you know, for me, I don't. It, it's interesting, but my upbringing. I got. I got. Uh, hooked on the outdoors not because of hunting but because of just different things about nature but um we've covered this in past podcasts but we've lost so many hunters in the last five years we're still in a downward spiral there's not as many people coming into hunting um but it's not just hunting there's less people enjoying nature in general and so it really comes down to what can we do to get more people into the outdoors to not only enjoy the outdoors, but get that addiction to where they want to help the outdoors and do work to improve the outdoors. And so uh, there's so many different things to do, but there's a lot of very simple techniques. And uh, and not just to get people into the outdoors, but for me it's been, how do you take a hunter and, take a, and make a hunter somebody who's... Fu- uh, who loves the idea of improving the outdoors and doing things to make it better rather than just enjoying the hunt, but they're spending time in the outdoors to make it a better place or they're volunteering with a nonprofit to put habitat on the ground. There's so many nonprofits out there that do a lot of great things. Um, And so Tyler, do you got some nonprofits that you love uh, the work that they do? Oh, absolutely. Um, like in the realms of habitat and just actual conservation, you know, talking the talk and walking the walk, in my personal opinion, um, the organization, there's now there's a plethora of them, but the, the one right now that does it the most, and I've seen it and I've got to talk to their leadership, um, I've seen it on the ground is uh, the Rough Grouse Society. Um, yes. They just, I mean, man, they, they live it. You know, you talk to their members, like it, at least here in Western North Carolina, and so Western North Carolina, East Tennessee, and North Georgia is the uh, most southern point of the Rough Grouse Range. Yep. And the memberships here of those three chapters are just—it's unreal. And they know their stuff. Like there, a, a few of them are professionally trained in forestry and registered foresters, but the vast majority are not. But dude, they know their stuff. When it comes to conservation, habitat conservation, just from the stuff that they've put out uh, from the Rough Grouse Society, and they've got a biologist in uh, near Pittsburgh, uh, Linda Ordway. She's awesome. Hmm. Um, and then 
uh, Ben Jones, their CEO, and uh, recently Sean Curran came on with their as their vice president. And I mean, it's just you know their focus is habitat, and it's it's awesome. Um, you know, they're 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 probably when it comes to habitat, that's the one like that's the that's the standard I hold others at before like I make a donation and join. Yep. Um, the other one um, I would have to say is the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. I'm very, very impressed with a lot of stuff they've done with us locally. Um, they've done – like where I'm sitting at right now, I'm in Cherokee, North Carolina, and less than a quarter mile down the road from me, the Aconalufty herd of uh, the elk that were reintroduced here are feeding because um, it's that time. It's, it's quarter till seven. They're out there feeding in the fields near Cherokee High School. Oh, wow. Um, and then uh, NWTF, National Wild Turkey Federation – They've done great. They've got a biologist that, you know, a lot of their stuff is just, you know, they, they talk, you know, they talk it and they walk it. And obviously we can, you know, give a shout out to the QDMA. They do great things as well. Kip and Matt and Lindsay and all them. Um, but when it comes to habitat, those are the ones, man, those are, those are my big four. Okay. Yeah. I, I would agree with you. It's funny you bring up the rough grouse society because, uh, this next week they're going to be, uh, Ben and Sean are going to be on the podcast. So people are going to get to hear oh. what they're all about. Um, Frankly, Matt and I, we sit, we sit over in Missouri, and we don't have any grouse in our area. So uh, a lot of our – they haven't been brought up a whole lot on the podcast, but um, you're going to hear more of us talk about them in the future in, in interviews with these guys that, that are doing habitat restoration for uh, the rough grouse um, in this country. So, yeah, it's, it's really cool that you bring them up. Um, yeah. For me uh, – I think about the the different organizations. I've always, for us, it's been uh, there's been a lot of quail quail forever doing work habitat related stuff out here in the Midwest. Uh, so that's kind of one that I've always watched and be like, man, that's really cool. The amount of habitat they're doing um, or habitat work they're putting on the ground. And uh, so there's a bunch of nonprofits out there. So it's not it doesn't just it doesn't just end at the hunt. There's a lot of things you can do if you don't own land and you're one of the public ground guys and you're, you're flying the flag for public land. There's a lot of habitat stuff you can still do, even though you don't own the land and you can get involved with these groups like this to do, uh, volunteer days and, and help. Um, but getting back on topic, getting back to the, 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 the podcast topic is getting more people in the outdoors in other ways of hunting. I'm going to share a story for you, Tyler. You'll enjoy this. Um, okay. So I was on a recent consult. Um, you know me. So our listeners, Tyler and I spent a lot of time through mess texts and messages that have nothing to do with hunting, but more on just conservation-minded topics. Um, and if you haven't figured this out yet, I'm a big nerd when it comes to things that aren't so much uh deer or turkeys um but <laughs> when it comes to butterflies birds things like that i recently i've shared apps with everybody before that i've found that i really really enjoy and one of those being the iNaturalist app i absolutely love that one um, but i found a new one tyler and it's the merlin bird id um, huh. do you know anything about it i have not that's a new one to me oh you're gonna love this one so um, the Merlin bird ID app is set up by, I think it, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm confirming this. It's by the Cornell lab. Um, and it's all things birds. It is, 
it is so stinking awesome, and it's something I'm going to use with my uh, daughter and hopefully, Lord willing, future kids to show them different things about the outdoors or uh, about birds. And I'll share a story. This past week, I was on a consult um, with a with a younger gentleman in central Missouri, and we were going along. His property was almost all timber. If you looked at the aerial image, it was entirely, you would say, oh, that's all that's all timber with a band of cedars. Well, going back a couple weeks ago when we did the Web Soil Survey podcast, um, if you looked at Web Soils, this property under Web Soil Survey, a big portion of it was glade, upland glade. So we knew it should have been open, grassland, um, that kind of glady, dry, arid climate with a lot of grasses and, and wildflowers. Didn't have that. It was all taken over by cedars. Um, and then the rest was woodland. But can as as Habitat goes, Tyler, can you imagine what what's your guess on how much of it was actual woodland? It was zero percent. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just make it like easy maybe. on you. It was all closed canopy forest. Um, <laughs> but but there was a few. There was a few spots where uh, the logging roads had been expanded or turned around, so there was some openings scattered through, or somewhat openings, probably 20, 30 foot uh, yards wide. We came across this intersection, and there was this red bird sitting on this uh, on the limb, and the guy kind of looked at it, and uh, I said, "You see that right there? That's a summer tanager," and uh, and he's like, "What?" I said, "It's a summer tanager." So this app, I pulled this app out. And there's various ways, and I'll explain that one way you you can use it for bird ID. But I just searched Explore Birds, or I clicked on the Explore Birds. I punched in Summer Tanager. Summer Tanager pops up, and there's like three things. There's like details about it. There's songs, and then there's the map. Click on songs, and there's a list, however many different songs. Some, Some, there's only a couple. Some of them have like six different calls. But the Summer Tanager, I think, has like four or five. I started playing the sounds that the summer tanager make. I played the song. Boop. Cranked my phone up. It started chirping out on my phone. That summer tanager went completely whipped his head around and turned on a dime and came straight at us, dive-bombed us, went right over our head, landed in a tree right above us, and started started singing. And really? he's, like, hopping all around, and I started playing different songs, and he's, like, beep, beep, making all these sounds back. And... uh there's a fight. This one actually had. I, I found it on any of the other birds I've looked up, but this one had fight call on it. I clicked fight call, and that thing got some kind of mad, and started hopping in the limbs. This is all like maybe ten foot above our head, and he's just chirping, 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 looking at us, trying to figure out where we've got that bird, <laughs> where we've got the the bird, the other summer tanager that's that's making all the sound, and he hopped all around those limbs. And then kind of fluttered off as we kept walking. And the client goes, that was the coolest thing I'm going to see all day. <laughs> and he said, like, I've never even seen one of those birds. And I'm like, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things. Like, you can't see the forest through the trees. Like, you, if you're not looking for the birds, you would have just thought it was a cardinal. A red bird flew across. It. Yeah, it's a cardinal. There's so many different birds out there that are so cool. And. And the summer tanager is one of my favorite ones to watch this time of year. And now that I've got this app, I'm like, oh, there's one. I want to see how close I can call it in just so I can try to take pictures of it or see it. And this guy told me in, in the pod or in, in the uh, consultation that he, he used to be one of those really focused just on deer. That's all he was focused on. 
but now he's starting to get this mindset of more natural um, native restoration and trying to improve the land for all species. So that's why he was interested in us. That's why he hired us. Um, and here we are. We're walking around looking about looking at summer tanagers and habit, overall habitat restoration. And um, and a benefit of doing that work, it means bigger deer, but we're not focused on just bigger deer. And uh, after we did that, he's like, I'm going to have to get that out. That was the coolest thing. And he's like, I can't wait to bring my girlfriend out here and do that for her, and so she can see all these different birds. And we we went down the we went down the trail. We ended up getting over in the glade, and here came some uh, some chickadees. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if I can call them back. They went on by, and I I started playing the sounds. All of a sudden, whew, here they came in. They're right above our heads in the cedar trees, going na 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 na, making all their noise. And he's like, this is incredible. And I'm just sitting there picturing like, as a five year old kid. I would have loved oh. that, but Dude. of course there were no smartphones when I was a kid, but I'm just thinking, okay, I cannot wait for the day to take my kids out there and, and to call these different birds in and, and show them the different sounds and teach them these different birds, uh, just through an app. Dude, that, that's so cool. Like I, like all the time, like, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like, man, there's days I'm like, oh, I hate technology. But then there's the stuff like that. And you're like, man, how cool is it that you could do that? Because when I, heck, man, probably till I was 18 years old, I didn't even know what a summer tanager was. No. You know what I mean? Me either. But now I have the ability to go and show that to my boys and to the other kids that we have around. Uh, a lot of my buddies, their kids are the same age as mine. Yep. Um, I, I'm a sucker. Uh, for little girls because they're just so freaking cute. <laughs> so they get they could get away with murder around me. So Yep. Um, you know, and watching a kid's eyes light up, like, so with work every now and then, like I'll go and I'll teach in schools and I'll go and do like, um, you know, a little talk in a classroom or, you know, we do a lot, we do a thing where we take kids out, uh, with the schools from six, six to 12th grade, I believe it is. Yep. And we take them on this thing called Camp Eco and we go around and take them around to show them conservation on the ground, what it looks like. We take them to the U.S. Forest Service, uh, state game lands. We take them all over and they get to meet natural resource professionals and they get to see all this stuff. But the thing that always gets me is like their eyes when they light up, like when they're up at, uh, in the great smoky mountain national park, helping the park rangers find these salamanders on the ground and they're IDing them and putting them in the bags and getting the weights. Yeah. They're just so into it. Or when we're doing, you know, micro and macro invertebrate benthic sampling, you know, in a stream, just how engaged they are. And, it's interesting to watch all that, man, and just how how much their appreciation is because we've actually talked to some of these kids that don't have much of a background in hunting and angling and trapping and farming or any of that. Yeah. Um, and a lot of their stuff is more spectative, like, you know, their parents will make a donation to an organization they feel is doing their part to protect the world or whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, some of these kids we've seen, like, they're really engaged now after their stuff, like engaged in 4-H, engaged on like actual conservation things, forestry. They, they participate in our Envirothon, and it's yeah. really awesome to see because these kids are the future. And it's like my five-year-old or my yeah six-year-old who's in kindergarten right now. The other day, you're, you might laugh at this or you might think I've gone off or, you know, gone crazy. But the other day, we're going through the grocery store. And like the entire time, Jameson's looking at the buggy and he's looking at me and Brittany and he's like, it's like he wants to say something, but he waits. And we're about to check out and he goes, 
Daddy, don't get any of those plastic bags. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what? And he goes, Daddy, don't get any of those plastic bags. Well, I asked him, I was like, Jameson, you know, why why are you not wanting me to get those plastic bags? He said, because I don't want to, I don't want any more sea turtles to die and I don't want to see any more of them in the ocean. <laughs> and we live eight hours from the, the closest to the ocean is four hours, four and a half hours from us is Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. You know, my man's only been to the ocean once every summer since he was on this earth. Yep. But he's learned, you know, he did a research project in kindergarten where he's learned about like some of the things that are affecting the natural realm. And so it gave me the opportunity to talk to him about, hmm, that's, you know, that's really interesting, Jameson. Like, what's some stuff, what's important to you about, you know, wildlife and the wilds and the world, you know, in the natural world? And it's led into conversations like, because we're still a, you know, we're still a minority of people, right? Those of us that hunt, what yeah. is it, like 5%? And it's still, for whatever reason, people still look at us like we're crazy. Well, you know, Jameson, he, I got another story for you in a minute about him and his, his first squirrels he ever killed. It's really, really flipping awesome. But, uh, Jameson's like taking that and like other kids will ask him about, well, I, you know, your daddy hunts or you guys eat deer and stuff like that. And Jameson talks to him about it. And after the whole ordeal with the sea turtles and the plastic bags and him telling his mom we need to go get those, you know, fancy grocery bags, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, like yeah, the, yep. Yeah. The the ones um, that are made of, like, recycled materials. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, he, he's talking about that. I'm like, Jameson, that's really awesome. And then I got to talk to him more about what my work is. And he says, well, Daddy, why do you do the job you do? And then I tell him back about how, well, son, I, I believe it's, you know, based off of our faith. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be good stewards, and we got to do that. And you know, we got to take care of this earth. We got to take care of the creation. But the way I learned that is from hunting, and I'm able to sit there and talk with a six-year-old about how my engagement on the landscape to harvest wildlife to eat, and how that sustains us as a protein, and all that has led to my love for all things conservation, all things habitat. And it's amazing because I can explain it to a six-year-old. And he'll sit there and like he'll ponder on it and he asks like more in-depth questions. He doesn't go to emotions, you know. Children are so cool about that. Like he doesn't go to an emotional place of, oh, you're hurting that. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. But um it's been it's it's been really cool to see like what that's done from school and like some of the things they're being taught about, you know. And the thing that I loved about the uh with the sea turtles is it was all based on scientific fact not speculation not emotion it was jameson showed me the articles that they had looked up showed me the things that they had read about showed me the youtube videos and they all came from credible sources yeah so i mean it was really awesome that's very cool very cool man uh that's awesome that your son is getting into something that shoot who knows how old he'll be or if he ever sees an actual sea turtle but he's got uh concern for those sea turtles um, that, that it's, it's going to take a mindset like that. Maybe we need to learn from this six year old boy. Yeah. Yeah. Did Before you see that? Stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see, you know, I'd always heard about, uh, balloon launches being a horrible thing. I mean, how many times mm-hmm. have you been in the woods and found balloons in the most Dude. random places? Yeah. Oh man. It's, it's crazy. I, I want to say it was Sean Clarkson. Was it Sean? I want to say Sean was like going through about how many balloons he had found yep. while walking through uh, the park near his house. Yep. And I want to say there was a couple other folks I was following that the same thing. Uh, 
Oh Lord, I can't think of their names, but they're out in uh, they're out with us. Uh, but they had found like ten. Yeah. On one shed trip, they found ten balloons. Yeah. And That's... like, yeah, it's crazy. I haven't I haven't got a chance to really see it, but I saw it on Facebook. I shared it on my page because it said, uh, "Oh, what did it say? It said that thirty that two percent of all plastics." Balloons only represent two percent of all plastics ingested by seabirds, but they are responsible for forty-two percent of the plastic-related deaths to the seabirds. Gosh. It's like it's not a lot, but man, it flat kills them. And Maybe it's crazy, ain't it? Ugh. And so I just uh, balloons are a big no-no for me. Uh, not something I I uh, I love seeing, and um, it's just one of those other things. But you know, I, I'm gonna keep sharing this. Uh, the Merlin Bird app. Um, to to go back to how it works, Tyler, you'll yeah. enjoy this. So, and I, and I'll tie this in on on a big way to get kids involved. But this app works by it'll ask you your location. So when you say I want to ID a bird, it'll ask you your location, either your current location or you can like scroll through and and drop a pin on the on the map, and then it'll ask you what date you saw it. Then the next question, it'll give like, I don't know, 12 or 14 colors. And you can click on all the colors that that bird represented, whether it was red or orange or white or brown or rust brown. And you can click on that. And then it'll ask you, um, was it the size of a sparrow? Was it the size of in between a sparrow and a robin? Robin, um, in between a robin and like a, a crow. And then, so it'll ask you like five different sizes. You click on that. And then it'll ask you, was the bird eating at a feeder or like swimming or waiting or was it on the ground or was it in the trees or on a fence? And once you do that, then it gives you a pretty good idea what bird you saw. And you can then yeah. click on it and ID that bird and catalog them. And I'm just like in the woods like, oh, yeah, what was that bird? My my brother called me. He was hunting in Kansas. And he goes, hey, I'm I'm he doesn't have this app yet or he didn't at this point. And he goes, I saw a really cool bird out here. He was turkey hunting in Kansas, kind of central kansas so it's a grassland heavy and he's seeing birds that we don't get to see a whole lot and he goes i saw a bird that looked a lot like a king bird but it was like greenish and so i just went to his location plugged it all in i said oh it's it's called a western king bird and he's oh, like wow. really that's real that's awesome and uh i think back to that hugely popular and i'm going to give away a huge idea and if anybody if if I can tie anybody who creates this app to a podcast listener, I'm suing them. Um, <laughs> but do you remember how popular Pokemon Go was? Dude. I, and yes. I just think, how, how cool would it be for an app that, like, encourages kids to, like, try to ID birds or try to ID plants in their neighborhood and, like, they get points on, on ID and all these different things. And, and – because uh, that, that was hugely popular here. I never downloaded it. And, uh, I'm sure you did. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm like I know level 75 yeah. Pokemaster, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just like, man, well, how cool would that be if somebody created an app that got kids involved in, in, in more nature based stuff. And I think about that app, hey, man, that app is so cool. And the iNaturalist app is so cool. And, um, there's several, I mean, there's, I think Sean Clarkson actually shared a, a snake ID, a snake snap or something like that. It's an app to yeah. ID snakes. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, there's ways to get kids involved in the outdoors that's not hunting. And for me, 
I don't know how you were, but as a kid, I was way more interested in just seeing the animals rather than actually going on the hunt. And, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'll say something that might be a little conf- confrontational, but I am a little bit... It, I, I could not legally hunt till I was 12 years old in Missouri. They've now changed it to where you can be six. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't start hunting when I was six years old. I'm afraid I would have a little bit different... I, I would have started out on more rocky ground than I already did because I had so much of a love, and still do, for animals that at six years old I might have been a little bit more turned off of shooting a deer than I, than I was at 12. Um, yeah. And so... I think there's a lot of really cool ways to get kids outdoors through using technology, which I'm not a huge proponent of technology with children, but through technology in this aspect with these apps to really get kids hooked on the outdoors. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, um, go ahead. Yeah. No, it's been, it's been a weird thing. So I understand what you're saying, like 100%. Um, and I try like with Jameson when I take him, um, I don't know. I relate to them. Like I wasn't able to hunt until I was 16 or 17 because we just didn't have the means. Yep. Um, my dad didn't hunt and all that. But, um, when I take them out, I try not to like overwhelm them with the hunting, but I try and like, I spend more time like talking to them about like, man, check out this oak tree. Look at this deer trail. Look at this rubber. Look at all this. Um, and all this other stuff. But like one of the, like one of the cool things that's happened, like we were talking earlier, uh, we were talking earlier about like different nonprofits. Um, but uh, like grassroots, like I really, 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 really think like grassroots organizations are amazing. Yes. So one of them is uh, locally here is the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Council, and it was started when uh, the Fisga and Nantahala Forest Plan Revision started, and uh, it's a conglomerate of North Carolina Bow Hunters Association, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Rough Grouse Society. Um, Quality Deer Management Association. I represented that with Kyle for uh, Kyle Brown for a while. Um, now I'm on it, and I represent the North Carolina uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Um, there's a there's a plethora of NGO conservation organizations that are on there that are species specific, and it's not all hunting organizations. Yes. There's other organizations that are on there that are more on the resource itself. Um, and the leadership of that is by a gentleman named David Whitmire. He is he's awesome, and that grassroots they do a whole lot for habitat but a big thing a big focus of theirs as well is like getting people involved and getting people engaged and um actually there's a gentleman that i met through this forest planner vision that didn't hunt before and uh now he's a huge hunter i actually i gave him i had a hoyt viper tech and i gave it to him because he had gone hunting with uh, the qdma filled the filled the table the first one they did the filled the fork event or whatever it was yep. down there Georgia. He went and hunted with them. His name's John. Great, great guy. Um, he came up and he's been working on this and I won't just like, I won't say what he's been doing because uh, when it's all done, it's going to be so awesome. What his research, I mean, it's just really, really cool, but that was a sidetracking, but he, he got into hunting um, while on this forest plan revision. And um, that was because of folks hmm. like David and all this and, um, another organization that I'm invo- involved with locally um, is with the North Carolina chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. And there's been a lot of folks that are younger that have come and that we talked to. And then that have like, I don't know if the, I don't know if people get offended by adult onset hunters. I've heard some people get offended by it, but I, I really don't understand. I don't get it. Anyway, 
we've had a lot of those, like we call them locavores, I guess is a cool word for them. Yep. But there's been a plethora of them come on. And, and, you know, it's been interesting to see like how many folks have engaged in the outdoors and like, it's fun, it's fun to watch. Like with kids, there, there's like, I don't know. It's like, they're not, you know, like we were talking about Jameson. He's, he's asking like the questions and there's no like crazy emotion tied to it. Right. Like he was upset about the sea turtles getting choked out by plastic bags. Right. That bothered him. Yeah. But it's still, he just asked all these other questions that were just like, well, okay, well we have to have this. So that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas like a lot of the, the local boards that we've seen is they need the protein and they want to ethically source it. And they've investigated and studied like, Oh crap. This is how conservation gets paid for. Yep. Well, you know, and so it's been, it's been really interesting to watch and like uh, what that's done just locally in my state. That's all I can speak about is how that stuff's happened in North Carolina. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to watch. In fact, Jameson um, killed three squirrels. And I think in North Carolina, as long as they're with an adult and I've got their license, which is because we do a, pretty cool apprenticeship program here to where if you don't have hunter safety or you know hunter safety ed or any of that yeah you can go get an apprentice license in north carolina um just go get your regular license and you you get all your tags and everything but the deal is you have to hunt with a licensed hunter who has their hunter safety ed and all that stuff and so jameson can go and get his tags printed off for free every year and he hunts with me under the age i think it's under the age of 16 um I just paid to print them off at the the retail spot. So he's got those tags. But anyway, he gets to hunt. So he gets to go hunting with me on anything. And small game hunting is, in my opinion, the greatest form of hunting for introducing somebody and getting them involved. And Jameson, my cousin, and my little brother-in-law, we went last year. Or no, we went. Yeah, yeah, last year. And, you know, we got on some squirrels. Jameson took three. You know, we had about two or three between us. And then Jameson had his three and uh, he fixed, you know, we have those, we had those frozen. Well, a couple of the guys from our North Carolina chapter were at the national convention and they were, we were supposed to be in a wild game cook-off. So UPS is probably going to flag me after this, but I had three frozen squirrels. Um, the original plan didn't come to fruition <laughs> of what was going to happen. So they called me and they said, Tyler, do you have anything? We'll take anything. So I was like, dude, I've got three frozen squirrels left because I didn't want deer. You know, they, everybody, you know, yep. venison, you know, they didn't want to serve that. So I, I overnighted to Boise, Idaho, three frozen squirrels and my guys got them and fixed them. And Randy Newberg, Eduardo Garcia and Senator Martin Heimrich. And I want to say, uh, oh, Lord. Another lady that she's very big in, I think it's Wild and Whole Foods is her thing. Yeah. Um, they got to eat Jameson squirrels, and I was sitting there, and I told Jameson, I said, dude, you don't understand how cool this is that Randy Newberg's eating your freaking squirrel right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was like, oh, that's so cool. But, man, he is so jacked up about that that he has gone and talked to his, you know, friends that don't come from – families that have lifestyles like we do yeah um and he's been able to talk to him about it and like the biggest thing he said was i just shared i shared meat that i killed with a guy you know across the u.s you know it was just yeah. it was really really cool and that jameson's really really like after that happened 
it's like something's gone off with him and he's gone from like you know i don't know what he's gone from like just thinking this is something daddy does every now and then when he gets bored to you know i just provided something and it's like a big deal to him you know that's very cool yeah so it's there's it's a multifaceted thing right like hunter retention and hunter recruitment yeah but it's uh I just think, man, being out there on the landscape and getting amongst it's the way to do it. No, for Any sure. Any way, shape, or form. I'm still a little bit going, man, that might be the first the first overnighted three frozen squirrels I've ever heard of. Well, yeah. <laughs> so when I was at the UPS store, the guy asked me, he was like, what do you got in there? I was like, ah, there's some spices. <laughs> like, <laughs> spices. And there was, you know. Yeah. I didn't know what that squirrel had ate, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's so. herbs and spices. Yeah, and probably and goes, a few uh, acorns. He goes, it's really cold. I was like, yeah, you got to keep them frozen to keep them fresh. Oh, but that is funny. I didn't say what they were. So. <laughs> it was, oh, it was that is awesome, awesome man. man. It was pretty awesome. That is but, awesome. Yeah. But yeah, and it's we're in, like so we're in Cherokee, and Cherokee's big on you know one of their big things for the tribe that they do out here for revenue is trout fishing. Yeah. And this weekend we're out here, and we got some trout. And, uh, Jameson and Brennan were with us. We got, we're down here with my wife's dad and, uh, her, her stepmom. Yeah. And then we're down here with a couple of our friends, Ryan and Brittany, and they're two little girls and uh, they're 10 and I want to say four, but the 10 year old sat with me and her daddy and my wife and gutted, cut the heads off and filleted every stinking trout we had. Oh, that's cool. And it was so awesome because now her, like her understanding on how that takes to get the food is just like, it's been a lot, a lot cooler. And she's like looking forward to the next time we go and get some more trout. Yeah. That is super cool. Ha. Well, man, I know I told you 30 minutes and it's been 36 minutes, so I don't want to take up any more of your time. It's Memorial Day weekend. Um, So remember the reason for this holiday. Uh, It's not, it's not lake season. Um, That's right. Anyway, um, anything else you want to add before you get before we peace out on this? No, man. Just uh, echo what you said about Memorial Day, man. It's a you know remember those that went before us. So yeah, people that yeah. paid the ultimate sacrifice. I, I have Absolutely. a uh, a great uncle who uh, who was taken in World War Two, Uncle Jack, and uh, so I always think back to to my getting personal some of the people in my family that were taken during uh that paid the ultimate sacrifice and so many other people were affected uh for multiple wars so huge uh thank you to all those people in a a time to remember the fallen and uh anyway tyler thank you so much for joining us buddy hey thank you adam all right take care you too all right everybody hopefully you you enjoyed this week's for love land podcast and uh don't forget to check us out on youtube facebook Uh, Land and Legacy, and we'll catch you next week.